As a self-employed locum GP, you're effectively running a small business. And I remember when I moved from being a salaried GP to a locum GP, it seemed like there was a bewildering array of changes and things that I needed to do, like locum A and B forms, self-assessment, payment on accounts, calculating child benefit, student loan payments, whether to use a limited company or not, and was I paying too much national insurance? So on today's podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Nipin Gupta, a specialist medical accountant, and we are going to give you the education that you need in order to set yourself up as a locum GP and avoid some common pitfalls. Don't forget, if you find these podcasts useful, then subscribing so that you don't miss an episode, which is released every Tuesday. And if you could leave us a review, that would be great. But even better would be to tell your colleagues and friends about it if you think that it would be useful to them. Then we can all work together to empower doctors to make better financial decisions. Thanks so much for listening. And let's get into today's episode. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr Ed Cantelow, a GP but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So on today's Medics Money podcast, it is my pleasure to welcome Nipin Gupta for, I believe, your podcast debut, Nipin. Is that right? It is actually my first podcast, and I'm actually quite excited at the same time, a bit nervous as well. But yeah, more excited than nervous. Yeah. Excellent. And do you want to just introduce yourself to the Medics Money podcast listeners and tell us a bit about why you're qualified to talk about today's subject? Yeah, I mean, this is my first podcast, as I said, but I just really wanted to touch base on the topic, which is a really hot topic, locuming. Why anybody who is getting into the locums and what other things they should be looking at or thinking about, which could be relevant to them first year. And once they get the swing of it and probably it flows and then you kind of know tick box exercise. But what we're going to go through is just a basic tick box exercise that, okay, one, two, three, four, five. And it's only I think we're going to touch base on five important bits, which is predominant ones. And that should cover most of the to do checklist. And from there on, any questions, any queries, we are here as an accountant and any accountant you go to probably should be knowing all these topics and should be well versed of any medical accountant. That's the aim today. We just really want to say that accountants are here. We are here as Bracey's accountants for any new locum GPs or any existing salary GPs who wants to try on their hands being a locum. So yeah, I think it's worth checking all these points. Absolutely. And it's very rare to get any kind of teaching about this when you're a GP trainee, in my experience. And you're basically running your own small business when you're a locum. So I'm really excited to get into it. So one of the big things that all doctors struggle with at the moment, but locums in particular, there's some specific things that locum GPs need to do around their NHS pension. So should we start off by talking about that? Yeah, I mean, again, it is quite a hot topic and it is a big mind feel as well. So it is something I think at the moment for the locum perspective, let's keep it quite simple and straightforward without dwelling into too much information, which everybody here, AA allowances, charges, tax allowances, tax charges. So for the locum GPs, I think it's just to keep it really simple to the point that first thing first, well, they need to decide that what sort of income sources they have got. So 
for example, if they are working in practices, so that's the locuming as well. If they are doing out of hours in the evenings or weekends or any third party surgeries. So every surgery and every pair is a little bit different with the patient. So first thing is, please double check that the employer, that employer we are referring it to who you're working for, is happy to contribute into your employer's pension contribution. And if they are happy and you are willing to pay into the pension contribution, then you need to fill A and B form every month. And as knowing PCSCs, they are really not great with admin. So it is very, very important that you need to be really up on the game with A and B form administrations and A and B what pensionable income is and what expenses you normally can claim on the pensionable income. So basically, the bottom line is how to calculate the pensionable income, which is something can be tricky, but that can be done once you know the formula to it. And you can speak to any accountant to get that kind of formula, or actually it's quite easy. We do kind of provide some help or a bit of guidance of an article on Muddy Medics on a separate note, the how to calculate the pensionable income for A and B form purposes. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I guess if you've come from training as a GP or as a salary GP and you're moving to locum, you know, when you were training or salaried, your pension happened automatically, should we say. Whereas if you're a locum, you've got to do these locum A and B forms. You've got to work out how much of your income is pensionable, et cetera. And there are some easy ways to do that. So, and yeah, with PCSE, my tip is just keep a record of everything. That's right. Each and every email, each and every conversation, each and every bank details, what money has been transferred. So it's best to keep it. And the other important thing probably I would add, which is a big issue with PCSC and all the GPs, especially locum GPs, that it's not very clear every year end that what they're supposed to do to update their records. Because of course, the type two certificates are not actually valid for them. And being single, only locuming, You do not do type two certificates, but how would you know? That's where I think I get so many questions from locum GP that how do I know? How would I track back my contributions for the last few years? And I do not seem to have my total reward statements up to date. And the total reward statements is coming from NHS pension agency. And if they don't have the records from PCSEs, it's never going to be up to date. So your first protocol to go up to is PCSC, not the pension agencies, because that's what the locum GPs normally do, straight away jump onto NHS pension agency, which has got nothing to do with if they haven't got the records. Yeah, exactly. As you say, TRS total awards won't get updated if the data's yeah. not there. So that's a great tip. Another thing that we see locum GPs sometimes get in a mess with is national insurance contributions and also payment on account. Should we talk about national insurance contributions first? Because there's an important tip here, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think this is something I don't think most of the locums, even any salary GPs or those who do the self-assessment, they have got two sources of income that is salaried and some of the locums as well, which is quite a lot on cases. They call themselves locum, but they do probably four sessions as a salary GP and the rest of the days they fill in with the locums here and there. So 
that becomes important that you need to know. And sometimes I do admit that the accountants miss it too, that claiming that restriction for class four national insurance. So basically the class four national insurance is a reduced rate as opposed to your class one national insurance, which you, when you're in employment. But if you are in employment and if you have already paid the class one national insurance at the higher rate, which is up to, I think the threshold is near about 40,000 pounds, basic rate, you pay 13.5% on the national insurance class one. If you have already paid higher rate, then automatically you need to pay the reduced rate on your self-employment, which starts after 40 something, that 2%. So this restrictive rate or threshold, even if you do self-assessment on your own, you've got to apply on your own. It's not automatically gets feeded onto the software or HMRC softwares, or even accounting software. This is something that a human brain has to physically do. So this is kind of something you need to keep a track or, or nudge your accountant as well, even if you're using an accountant, whether they are actually applying that restrictive threshold for the class four. Because class four national insurance or NIC does not get adjusted as your taxes get adjusted in the tax return. It's completely two separate things. It's such a great point. Something, like I said, we see all the time. It's so easy to overpay national insurance. And that's why Ed made 40 minutes on national insurance podcast. And it's actually, okay. yeah, it's not the most fascinating podcast, but it's the one we get the most emails about because nobody realized it or very few people realize about it. And it's very easy to overpay, especially in that scenario that you outlined where you're doing a bit of self-employment and a bit a PAYE mixed income sources. Okay. And the other thing that we see people get confused about, again, because we're not taught about it, is payments on account. Like, what is that and what do we need to know about it? Yeah, the payment on account, basically, the first year, if you started just the locoming, and probably your question would be, oh, how much tax or tax reserves do I need to keep for the following year or for the current year? So basically, in the employment previously, if you would have been employed, you've already paid on your payslip. But with the locoming, you would be paying everything that you earn in the current year on your self-assessment, plus in two installments, the payment and accounts for the following year as well in advance. So I think it's really important that you need to keep a track. Every locum needs to keep a track of their targets or goals for the next year or expected income, what it could be, in terms of judging the payment and account. Otherwise, the payment and account is going to be simply for your total taxes paid for this year and the next year you're going to pay the same amount of taxes. So say, for example, if your next year expected to be less, say I'm just taking a hypothetical example, maybe Lady GP who is going on to maternity planning and maternity next year, and simply they know that the next year expected income would be way less than the current year. So, of course, that's where you need to think about that. You don't need to pay a huge amount of payment and account for the following year where you know that you might have adjust your SMPs up to the basic rate. So that's rather than paying a huge amount to the taxman and keeping your funds saved with them, it's better to keep it in your bank account. And that means the bottom line is you need better planning for next year as well. Exactly. And this is something that obviously a specialist medical accountant would take care of and advise you on. But when one question we get a lot is because a lot of people are used to getting a salary and with all the tax taken off and then you get a low coming, you suddenly get paid gross. 
And then they're like, how much do I need to save ballpark figure for my tax bill? So do you have any kind of percentage that you recommend there? Or what would you say? It's actually a really relevant point, And it's really good because it gets quite overwhelming to see that much amount of money coming in. Oh my God, how much I'm earning so much being a locum GP and salaried is great. For first few months, it just feels like I'm loaded. I'm just going to kind of spend <laughs> and I'm going to go shopping trip. But yeah, the true fact is, to be honest, it's always, 35% I would say with including the national insurance you got to keep the reserves if you are actually good with that again I think that should be coming from very first month that 35% actually needed to keep aside for your tax reserves so you don't get the of course the shocker at the end of the year which is normally in January that okay that's again this is something we get a lot oh I never expected this much tax but it is straightforward 35 to 40 percent you need to keep it aside and unfortunately if that reserve is not there then it's just gonna be a costly credit card bills and interest which is again that's what we say planning 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 is quite important and you need to kind of plan a year in advance whether it be it how much income you're going to have, how much taxes you're going to pay in nine months' time. So in terms of perspective from HMRC, and we do get quite, oh, I haven't got money, how do I pay? But it is just kind of get to the point that it's no sympathy or empathy for that client, that, okay, you kind of knew that the money is coming in, that needs to be paid, and this is liable to be paid. So HMRC is not going to take any excuses either in terms of late payment charges, interest piling onto payments not paid. So beware that and do make a proper tax reserves. Yeah, not knowing about it isn't really a defense of HMRC, yeah, unfortunately. That's right. So that's great. So sort of 35, 40% of your gross income, get that aside. Do not be tempted to spend it, even how yeah. tempting that is. And you should be all good for that payment on account. And yeah, I think really great suggestion about reducing that payment account if you expect your income to go down, but don't overcook it because otherwise I think they charge interest, right? Yes, that's right. And then interest goes back straight from the April onwards. It doesn't really matter how early you're paying or not. Another thing that people get, or we get lots of questions from locum GPs about is what to do with your student loan. Because when you were an employee, if you've got a student loan, which most people do, it was taken off automatically, but when you become self-employed is not quite so simple. So what do we, what do locum GPs need to do about that? That's correct. I think this is another question. It just comes and it's not even a question. I think it's sometimes some of those locum GPs or locums, those who are on the ball, are they kind of aware that they have got huge student loan, I would say, sitting on to be paid at some point. They kind of like, they are kind of more aware that, okay, how do I, get rid of it or how do I pay it if I'm just locuming so yes I think this is another thing as well it is not automatic with any software or even HMRC software that they will deduct it or they will just take into account even if you are doing your self-assessment on your own or if you have decided to do self-assessment on your own as a locum you need to specifically tick box in your self-assessment HMRC that you are going to pay the student loan and then it will automatically calculate it on the basis of what you have earned, that how much you need to pay back onto the student loan. And do keep a reserve. And that's where I think I should be emphasizing on the payment and account. Do keep a bit of a reserve for your student loan as well, in case if you're paying a student loan. And it all depends on how much is your income and how much you have already paid student loan on your employment. 
but do keep a reserve because the student loan is about 15 to 18% as well. So in case if you are paying student loan, do keep extra 15% reserve for the student loan of your total income. I just wanted to add another tip on the student loan. So you might in your softwares or in your HMRC software, they would like to ask you the option, what kind of student loan you're on, option one, option two, which is very much irrelevant, but I don't know why this has been thrown into given the option, but you always go for the option one, that in case if you just really want to pay off the student loan, there is a difference of the amount but you just kind of applicable for you, the option one. Okay, cool. Good tips. Okay. And then another thing that we get asked about is child benefit and sort of self-assessment. So what do locum GPs need to be aware of there if they've got children, obviously? Yeah. Okay. That's the child benefit is quite like unfair one, I would say, really. The child benefit, that repayments that you need to pay back, just this is something unavoidable. And this is something, again, pick and choose one. This is something not automatic. You've got to tell HMRC that you have claimed child benefit and you will be liable to pay it back, of course, if your taxable income is more than £50,000. Or if in case if yours is less and your spouse is more and you are claiming it, that's going... So the child benefit basically goes on to the higher rate tax earner. So whoever among both of you is higher rates, they will be repaying the child benefit bank. And if in case for some reason or any reason you forget or don't do that, this is something these days HMRC is taking very seriously. This child benefit claims to be claimed and not repaid. And you probably you will end up getting the notices and it won't be investigation notices, but it could be irregular careless notice. That means your tax return could be on monitoring for next two years. So you don't want to just like really be monitored from HMRC. Yeah, hopefully locum GPs aren't getting too scared now. And hopefully this is helpful. But just to reiterate that, you know, you can just get an accountant like Nippin to do this for you. When I was a locum GP, I never regretted having an accountant to do it for me because they just keep you yeah, away from all of these troubles. But just sort of leading on from the child benefit. I mean, sometimes we get questions from locums about as regular listeners to the podcast will know the tax thresholds it's not continuous it's sort of there's big jumps here so going from 20 percent to 40 percent tax and 40 to 45 percent tax so there's all these cliff edges in the tax that you pay i mean do you kind of do much forward planning with your locums to say look okay you know you're going to earn around 105,000 pounds this year that means you're going to lose your personal allowance that's a really really valid point and that comes up and that's again i think it all ties up to the as we said previously that yeah, know your expected income for next year as well. And it's all about setting up your realistic goals and realistic targets and future targets that what your aims are and objectives are in terms of, of course, you don't want to have the surprises that, oh, okay, your income is 120 gross after expenses, which is the worst threshold to be in because at that stage you pay nearly 60% of marginal tax and plus national insurance, plus your pension contribution, that's again, we are not really trying to scare you, which is goes in the drain 85% of your total income of that £20,000, which is something you need to really, really kind of design your income targets in a way that you keep most in your pocket and, of course, minimize your taxes. And probably you might fancy leaving a spare day, which is nearly 20 grand worth, rather than just working as locum, which I think probably most of 
the locums or GPs or doctors will prefer rather than keeping 15% in their pocket as a cash. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like you could say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. But at the end of the day, if you're going to lose 60% or more of your income in tax because you're earning in certain thresholds, like you say, a, a day not working flat out in a hugely stressful job might be the best option. So again, get some advice. There could be a tip that I can probably add on that the best way to do it and keep it simple as well. I know there's so many things that locums need to be doing this, this, this. But first thing first, I think I would advise that get a proper nice locum software, which diarizes you every day, what you're doing on monthly basis which does the billing for you, which does the expenses for you automatically, or you just click off the button. That just takes a lot of stress away in terms of, again, it will do all the target goals, which we just discussed. It will tell you each and every expense, what you have done. And at the end of the day, if you're organized, you know what you're doing. It's less bill to the accountants as well. So you kind of, you would be telling the accountants, this is what it is. And the accountants are happy. At the end of the day, you probably might be spending a bit of money on the software, which is, again, it's not huge about things, about 20 pounds a month subscription. But again, in the long run, you might be saving that much of money to the accountants because it just makes everybody's life easier and much more foreseeing for the next future as well and planning. Yeah, definitely. Great tip. And if it does cost you £20 a month, that would be a tax deductible expense, right? That's so, correct. Yes, that's, that's yeah. worth spending and that's tax deductible expense. And if you're thinking about 60% of it, or it's of course non-pensionable, 40% and 60%. So it's just out of your pocket, it's only 40%, which is again, even if whatever it is, it is worth spending your money on it. Yeah, same for your fees as well, right? That's right. Every penny, any expense, these are all legitimate expenses. These are all you're paying. And I, as saying, while we are on here on this page, the importance of an accountant. Yeah, I know we are all saying that we, as a locum, there's HMRC is doing all MTD. Things are easier for the locuming to do things on their self-assessment on their own. But I think it's more the importance of the accountant is just, you know, that somebody's good accountant is there your your hand holds it all the time and you know that somebody's there overlooking you and you can go up to somebody and ask any advice anything that you are worried about you don't need to google it where you get 10 different advices and you're still not sure am i right or not yeah i I think you know at medics money we encourage people to do things themselves if they can so you know if you're an employed doctor claiming your tax rebate you don't really need an accountant yeah. for that. You just use a medics money guide. But if you're a yeah. locum GP and you're not an accountant yourself, yeah. I really think, you know, you should seriously consider getting an accountant. But hopefully this is kind of giving you some pointers as well if you are doing things on your own. And yeah, locum software, invaluable, really. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing, Tommy, on that. It's just the importance of accountants. I think it's the importance of the accountants is just, I know we are just like really trying to help in the medics money, each and every different topics that to think about. But the importance of the accountant is, I think, once you're under a good accountant, you don't have to worry about each and every different topics, what we're talking about, different things in here. They would summarize and keep an eye on all these different scenarios and different aspects of your financial health. We're under one roof. So you are kind of worry free rather than pinpointing each and every struggling to get the research done. They will do it for you. 
Yeah, exactly. You can just focus on being the best GP that you can be. And as long as you present the information in a relatively orderly fashion to your accountant and not just a massive box of random receipts and invoices at the end of the year, everyone should be happy. Although I'm sure you've got a few clients who do that. Definitely. I think that's the best thing. They are the golden clients for us as well. We don't want the shoeboxes coming in through and spending hours and hours on that. We just want the tidy clients. They And it's, it's quite nice, refreshing to know, to get the clients, those who know the basics, because it sometimes gets really hard as well to go through the client, to go through again and again sometimes, which they want to understand, but they can't understand because they haven't done enough research. So yes, of course, all the researches are important as well. And but and a good accountant that at least the both parties know what they're talking about and they're on the same page. It's really yeah. good for the relationships as well, long term. Yeah, I think it's like when we as doctors have a really well-informed patient, you can have a quite a high level discussion with them. And sometimes they've done the right research and you're happy to you know, say that. And sometimes you have to correct them a little bit as well. So it's always good to have a moderately informed patient and a moderately informed client. Okay, I always like to finish the podcast with a really easy, quick to answer question. I'm joking because this is not an easy question, but we get asked all the time, should I start a limited company to save tax? We've got a ton of podcasts on this. Oh my God, Tommy, that is a really burning question. And that is really something I would like each and everybody to any locums who gets on board. And that is something they hear a lot from everywhere and from their colleagues, even on Google or anywhere. But it is a really hard question to judge and to know, is that right for me or is that wrong for me? Or what's the pawns and what's the cons? I think that the right way to say yes or no, I would recommend that I think depending on your scenario, depending on your situation, do consult an accountant. I think this is something any accountant should be giving you in your first formal meeting free of charge. And just a little assessment that is that something works for you? Maybe something that you're thinking of a mortgage next year, or maybe something your kids are going to the private school and you need the cash flow for yourself. You can't get everything tied up into the company. But on the other side, if your partner is not working, has got the basic threshold there, then of course it could be a golden opportunity for you to have a limited company because you can utilize for everybody's basic rate and get the most out of the limited company. But again, I think this is something depends from person to person, depending on your situation, which is something I think everybody needs to go to an accountant. I won't think that would charge, I think it should be all into their first assessment as an accountant, what they can do it for you. And it should be just yes or no, simple, straightforward answer from them. Yeah, it's a massive question. And that's a really good summary. It basically, it just depends on your circumstances and it can make great sense. It can actually make no sense. So you just got to rely on a professional's advice. And just because your friend is doing it and claims to be saving a load of tax, your situation is almost certainly different from there. So just take advice. Nippin, that was a brilliant high level summary. Any kind of parting words of wisdom or things that we've missed out or anything else? It's been a pleasure to be invited on this podcast, Tommy. Honestly, this is something I never expected that I really being a first time, I didn't know what to expect. But I think I have enjoyed working with Medic Money and working with you right now as well. So it's just such a pleasure to be with Medic Money and be joined hand in hand, helping the GPs and locums. It's just the information flow really from one to the other. And it's just something I believe that keep on flowing. 
And for all the doctors and locums or any healthcare professionals we have, I think I would say we are full of so much information in here in medics. Money use the resources is there for them to be used. And I think it's just something we are here, even a nudge to an accountant, it doesn't have to cost a lot. And it is not going to cost a lot if you are looking for a right accountant or if you're looking for a reliable accountant. And for a tip for an accountant as well, I think you need to approach an accountant who is approachable and who is something can speak to your language and as if you can be friendly with to your friends. Yeah, it's a kind of like a partnership, hopefully a long endearing partnership. So Nipin, it was so good to get you on the podcast. I've been trying to persuade you to come on for ages and that was such a great summary. I'll put your contact details in the show notes below. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Tommy. It's my pleasure, purely. Thank you. <laughs>